When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back into the Alley Scoop slash Cockblocks slash the CT Scan slash Quite Frankly slash Hoop Scoop, or really the untitled South Carolina Basketball Project. I'm your host, Pearson Fowler, joined as always, as I always have been and as I always will be for this Carolina basketball season by Colin Taylor. That's the impetus for the CT Scan. And those were all suggestions for the title of this podcast, courtesy of... USC Beckham, Thirsty Mangus, and Gamecock 2001. Thank you so much for the suggestions. Yeah, I like um, Big Alley Scoop fan. I'm a yeah. big pun guy, which is a big reason why I think Cockblock and uh, Alley Scoop are my two two favorites. Those are mine as well. Those really jumped out. Uh, Cockblock, I really, or Cockblocks, I really liked. I didn't know if that was pushing the envelope too much. A little, it's a little risque here. Yeah, yeah, so we're not yet committing to one or the other, but keep them coming. We enjoy the suggestions. At some point, we may put this to like a Twitter poll or something. Big so, fan of Twitter polls. Yeah, Twitter polls are great. Yeah. And so keep them coming. We'll compile like sort of a best of, unless something just like really speaks to us, but we're still going to, I guess, be rolling with the Untitled Hoops Project. I say we do it like Prince, where we, like when he known as a symbol. Yeah. <laughs> like for a little bit, I yeah. just say we'd like make ourselves like a drawing and like we're known as this like symbol. For so I'd just be like, person. welcome to... Yeah, and, and then, then we're like, like do yeah. it with my hands. And <laughs> yeah, nobody can see it. Visual but, medium. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but anyway, so we we don't know exactly what to call this, but we're uh, we're working on it. But we're still here to talk about South Carolina basketball, even though we don't know what the name of this podcast is. South Carolina went up to Little John Coliseum and won for the first time ever, which I didn't realize because I, I guess it was under construction in 2015 when yep. they played that game up in Greenville. Mm-hmm. So congratulations to the Carolina basketball team getting a win at Little John Arena, 67 to 54. Uh, as you and I were sort of Talking about this game last week, you were you correctly predicted that it was going to be a rock fight, and boy oh boy was it ever! Especially in that first half, a lot of turnovers, a lot of fouls, uh, more turnovers in the first half, more fouls in the second half. It was an ugly game, but the most important thing is ugly win, pretty win. South Carolina got a win, and not only that, as we talked about last week, South Carolina has the best win of its season now. Now this is admittedly a, a Clemson team that's just fine. That is, I think, probably. The upside projects them to be a bubble team. They're 5-5. Five and five. Obviously, they're playing in the ACC, which is very tough. But this was a Ken Palm top 100 win right. at the time. How big is this exactly for Carolina? I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, I think if South Carolina ends its season with Clemson being its best win, uh, it's not great. <laughs> yeah. uh, but as of right now, 7-4 uh, and four is a lot better than 6-5, and five, which is what they would have been, obviously, if they had lost. So I think this is huge for them uh, just in terms of confidence in terms of getting that monkey off their back a little bit. Because every time they've played a good team, they've either played well and lost or just not played well at all. So playing well, especially in the second half, I thought they played really well in the second half. And getting a win over a team that Frank Martin said would be a lot better in January and February is big. And we don't know how good Clemson is or isn't. They certainly didn't play well, what was that, Sunday. But in the grand scheme, 
you get a win over an ACC program on the road by double digits. I mean, if you just take it on its surface like that, I think any team would be happy to have that at this point in the season. And it's a rivalry win. You know, there yeah. there are there's greater emotional stakes in this game. And one of the other things that you and I talked about last week is this Carolina team needing some momentum, needing a little bit of a confidence boost. And you get that in spades. This game kind of counts doubly in terms of the intangible effect of the game. And, and the one thing that I will say was encouraging in this game from a big picture perspective is this is the first time really this season that we have seen South Carolina really be able to utilize its depth and have that as an advantage over another team. Uh, Jermaine Cousinart only played 13 minutes, scored four points. Wilden Zavec, zero points. Uh, the only statistic he recorded actually was a turnover. He only played three minutes. Justin Minaya found himself in foul trouble. He only played 19 minutes, scored just three points. But the one thing that you hung your hat on with the South Carolina team going into the season is it always projected to be a team that could beat guys with their bench. If, you know, A.J. Lawson wasn't going for 20, or, you know, say Keyshawn Bryant just went for seven, or like I said, Kuznard just going for four, there were other guys they could pick up the slack. That hadn't happened yet this year, and it happened on Sunday. I don't know how sustainable that is. I don't know how many 19-minute performances they can get from an eye and three minutes out of Levesque and 13 minutes out of Kuznard they can have the rest of the season and expect to win. But this is why you cultivate that depth. Yeah, and I think that the biggest thing was, especially in the second half, is you had guys that hadn't been necessarily connecting and and consistently hitting shots, hitting. And there was a stretch there where I think South Carolina was up maybe six, seven, eight points. Clemson would come down and hit a three, and then Jair Bolden came down and drilled a three. And then Clemson would come back with another three of their own, and A.J. Lawson came down and hit a three. So they were able to put away is not the right word because they really pulled away late. But they were able to keep a team at arm's length, a, a team that, while is not going to set the world on fire and be a top four seed in the ACC, but a good Clemson team, an ACC team, and, and you were able to hold on, keep them at arm's length the majority of the second half, and put them away late. And I, you hadn't seen that from them, even in their wins, you hadn't seen that from them, just to be able to bury a team when they wanted to bury a team, and it comes with hitting big shots. And Jair Bolden did that, AJ Lawson did that, Jermaine Kuznar had a great big three late in the game. Um, you, you saw a little bit, and I wrote about it some on, on Central today, but you saw a little bit what this offense could look like if guys are connecting like Frank Martin says they have been in practice or they were maybe in the pro-am. Well, and the other nice thing about this game was Carolina was hitting those timely shots, as you mentioned, Kuznar with the one late. Uh, Bolden hit, did he hit two threes? Hit yeah, two of six, two. and both of them yeah. were in the last couple minutes of the game right. sort of to, to continue. He to, hit 10 points in the second half, and right. no one really talks about that. Yeah, yeah. and it, it was a really nice outing. Everything everything that everyone's talking about with Bolden after the game is the fight, which we'll get yeah. into in just a second, and I use the word uh, fight very loosely. Uh, but the timeliness of the shooting was interesting and, and significant to me because South, South Carolina shot the ball well, but it wasn't like a crazy lights-out shooting performance that's you know not going to be replicable replicable again for the rest of the season. It's not like they were you know. It's not West Myers going off for like thirty points against Florida. Exactly. No, they they shot forty-five percent from the floor, which is good, but mm-hmm. not an outrageous number. They shot forty-four percent from three, but it's eight of eighteen. Um, as you mentioned, it's like three big threes late from Kuznard, Bolden, and Bolden. That uh, you know that's the difference between uh, five of fifteen and eight of eighteen. So you're talking about thirty-three percent, forty-four percent. So you do percentages, and eh, you know. It's better when you give the actual numbers in a small sample size like this. And then from the charity stripe, a little bit better than their average, but still not a very good number. 13 of 19, just below 69%, which would have been nice. Um, but there they are, just at 13 And they made 19, some late, so. too. I was like, I'll right. give them credit, too. They were mm-hmm. down the stretch. They made their free throws when they needed to. Yeah, so it was timeliness. And I think that's where you I think that's where you start to see the, the benefit of, of confidence. It's like, well, you, you can't really quantify that. Confidence and momentum doesn't exactly show up in the net ranking. But 
where we've seen Carolina get tight late in games, they just seem to have a little bit more belief in themselves. And you wonder how much of that, you know, they can carry over into, you know, the first 35 minutes of the game against Virginia and then you know, the game against Stetson and then to, into SEC play. So I, I don't want to overreact to this again because it's a it's a fine Clemson team, not a great Clemson team, not a terrible Clemson team, but it's I think it comes at a really important point in the season and all of a sudden I think the most likely scenario is that Carolina enters conference play at eight and five and you're looking at eleven and seven in the SEC being probably enough to put you right in that bubble bubble kind of scenario, especially if you're able to get a quality win or two in SEC play. Yeah, and I think that, you know, we talk about their shooting percentage. If South Carolina shoots 45% and plays the defense they're expected to play and and goes 8 for 18 from 3 or whatever it is, that's good. And and that is going to be able to keep them in a lot of games against a Tennessee, a Kentucky, a Florida, whoever. So um, that's big. And I think that if you're South Carolina, this – upcoming Virginia game, which we'll talk about a little bit later on in the week, is very akin to that Michigan game a couple or last year where you go up there hoping for a win. You know, if, if it happens, that's phenomenal. But, you know, you want to play well. You want to look good doing it. And they did that against Michigan. And if they can do that against a, a top 10 Virginia team, um, that should build some confidence. And I think that these next, what, five games, Virginia, Stetson, and then you go – Tennessee, Kentucky, and Florida to start. Not in that order, but you start. That's That'll be pretty telling as to how your your conference season is going to go and how good you can be um, down the stretch here in late January and February. Yeah, as you mentioned, we'll have a, a little more in-depth preview of the Virginia game, but at this point, it's it's an opportunity to get better, better and an opportunity to carry this momentum over. And as much as we know uh, Virginia's an excellent defensive team, always have been, we know what they're going to do. If Carolina plays like they did against Clemson, I think, the, I think this is going to be was it like was it Penn State and Michigan like six years ago that was like thirty to eighteen that final something like right, that yeah. that that might be the case on Sunday yeah no it, it's gonna be I think you're probably gonna have seventy points total score between these two teams yeah. just because it's so it's it's, it's Tony Bennett and Frank Martin um but that was the biggest key that you were pinpointing for the South Carolina team the biggest thing they needed to improve and Clemson had some guys in foul trouble found themselves a little bit shorthanded as they had to go a little bit deeper into their bench but even still I, I think Sunday marked kind of a turning point for this team where they really seem to click defensively in a way that we haven't really seen this year. Yeah, and I think that they forced some turnovers, which maybe necessarily isn't the, a cornerstone of Frank Martin defense, but you force some turnovers. Um, you get some timely loose balls at the half court, which allows you to get out and run in transition, which Keyshawn, Keyshawn Bryant forced a lot of those. Um, I think his seven points and whatever four rebounds wasn't necessarily indicative of how good he played. No, I, I don't yeah. know if they keep plus, plus minus in... Uh, college basketball, but oh, yeah, we or, got, or, or I, PER or yeah. anything like that. But he he had an incredible impact on the game. On yeah, and and he, I think he's turned into a leader too. And I've talked about that a lot. But um, yeah, they played well defensively for the majority of the game. Um, they closed out well for the most part. They rebounded the ball really well. So I, I think this is your and and that's the cornerstone with any Frank Martin team is that they're always going to start out slower defensively. And get better as you get closer to the new year. And then obviously once you turn over into January and February when you're having to play um, SEC teams. So I, I think this is a very positive sign for them now. Will they be able to capitalize on that? I'm not sure. But you're starting to see um, so, some positive changes come from it. And I think a lot of that has to do with 
guys getting more comfortable, and then obviously Trey Hannibal seeing some more time as well. Right, yeah, very excited. We got a Trey Hannibal sighting. I mean, that was, was a nice segue for you. Well, it, was a, uh, yeah. it, was a, it was a reverse jinx yeah. by me last week, I guess. Uh, although before we descend into the particular performances, because I do want to get into that, and it sounds like you have some advanced metrics, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. I can, I'm salivating already. Uh, but you were there in person at Little John Coliseum, so you got to see what transpired – at the end of the game, between yeah. Jair Bolden and Tevin Mack, it sounds like it wasn't much of anything, much to do about nothing. Frank Martin didn't seem overly concerned about it. Brad Brownell didn't seem overly concerned about it. There was some jawing. Maybe somebody pushed somebody. What did you see from your vantage? So we really, I didn't really see a whole lot of what exactly happened. I saw a lot of the aftermath, obviously. So I was looking down, typing up a you know the final score tweet and posting you know instant analysis and stuff, and then I look up to whistles and um, Jair Bolden and obviously Tevin Mack are being separated by the officials. So. Um, people have told me that Tevin Mack was swiping at the ball and, you know, trying to get the ball to go get a layaway dunk as the, as the game ended. And Jair Bolton took some offense to that and then started jawing and had to be separated. And, um, I think it's much ado about nothing. I mean, you're talking about people that are pretty fiery. Um, you're talking about guys that are playing in a rivalry game. Tevin's from columbia so you probably know this game means a little bit more to him so i thought it was funny that jair who's from new york yeah, was the one involved in a carolina <laughs> yeah. clemson scuffle i figured if you told me that two guys got in a fight after the game i would have said tevin mack and trey hannibal being the local kids well it's the funniest thing like frank frank martin had one of the greatest lines i've, I've ever heard him say after the game was when i asked him about it and he said the best part of it was jair bolden actually showed some aggression yeah afterwards i didn't realize uh, that was your question i was gonna bring yeah. that up because i, I think I think that's really important, and that that speaks to one how little everybody, at least involved, thought of the incident, and two um, speaks to maybe the confidence and the edge that Carolina is gaining after a win like that. Yeah, and I think that you know it's one of those where emotions are high, and you do something, and someone takes offense to it, and it, it escalates a little bit more than it probably should. Um, cooler heads prevailed. Teams decided not to do the handshake line. I understand it. You go back to your locker room, you celebrate with your team, or if you're Clemson, you 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 know you you move on, but. You know, Frank Martin and Brad Brownell spoke after the game, uh, kind of in that tunnel after Frank Martin's post game, and um, smiling, joking. Um, those two guys are friends, so it, there was no hostility there. It looked like, and um, I think it's one of those where you you forgive and forget and and move on from it because it's really it, it's a non-story at the end of the day. Very good. Much to do about nothing. Let's use that to transition into a conversation about some of the particular specific performances from South Carolina. Jair Bolden, who didn't score in the first half, finished the game with ten points, three rebounds, three assists, added a couple of steals. And 21 players played in the game, tw- uh, 10 for Clemson, 11 for South Carolina. Jair Bolden was only one of four players that didn't record a foul. So That's nice big, job not yeah. fouling That's Bolden. That's big, Jair. Uh, played 24 minutes, 3 of 8 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3, made both of his free throws. And, and as we mentioned a couple times, those those threes late in the game that helped kind of ice it for South Carolina. This felt like his best performance of the year, yeah. just in terms of the impact that he was had on the game and the timely shooting. What did you see from Bolton? Yeah, and I mean, I think that he's actually been pretty quietly productive. Um, he doesn't necessarily get the credit for it, that I think, just because he doesn't make a lot of flashy plays, but I mean, he's plus 77 on the season. <laughs> um, outside of the UMass game, I try to keep those stats, but UMass didn't have those readily available. Um, but was plus, um, if I'm looking at it right, he was plus nine against Clemson, which is pretty solid. Um, made some good decisions. I think that he really benefits from not having to handle the ball as much. Uh, you move A.J. Lawson over to that point guard spot, and I think he was able to knock down some in-rhythm in threes. And if you're a point guard, you don't necessarily get those as much as some other guys because you're trying to facilitate. Um, but I think he's 
slowly kind of settling into his role. I think that's more of an off-the-ball, Hassani Gravit kind of role where you can play some off-ball defense, um, knock down some timely shots, drive when you need to, because he's 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 a pro at making some contested shots. I mean, there's some that I look at and go, well, that was terrible, and then he drains it. So um, you're starting to see kind of the offensive presence. Still needs to be better defensively at times, but um, I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. And, you know, if he can continue to do that, I still like him starting and then Kusnard obviously coming in off the bench. Yeah, it's just a matter of making sure that he's comfortable because I think one of the things that has colored my watching Bolden this year, because uh, we said last week, you know, I've, I've always admired his shot making whenever he gets the opportunity to do that. I uh, wasn't necessarily blown away by his playmaking or his, you know, creativity on the ball. Um, but the other thing that, like I said, sort of colored my experience of watching him this year has been uh, the difficulties that he's had guarding opposing point guards sometimes. And so when you take that responsibility away from him, I, I think that, you know, just like you're saying with Gravit, although Gravit was a, a better defender than Bolden at this point in his career, you know, just making sure that guys are comfortable. Uh, we did see it was Bolden, Lawson, Bryant, Mania, Kotsar, um, top five. Yeah, all the top, top five. Well, five of the six minute getters. I guess uh, Frank ended up getting one more minute off the bench than Mania, um, but a little bit of a lineup change. Not exactly what I expected. Right. Um, and then Levesque, obviously only playing three minutes. Um, didn't record a foul. Was he was was that doghouse? Was that some kind of injury or sickness? I think that was just more or less he wanted to play with Bryant and Manaya and, and Frank was having a good game and playing well. So more or less just flow of the game rather than I think anything Wildens did right, wrong, or otherwise. Yeah, but Bryant uh, being in the starting lineup, obviously notable, not surprising because no. that was going to happen at some point. It was yeah, just a matter of when. Yeah. Right. And uh, Frank said initially it was going to be closer to Christmas. I guess we are kind of close to Christmas. Yeah. So it was like a week and a half away. Um, but he had a tremendous game. Again, just seven points, four rebounds in the box score. He did have uh, three steals, two blocks. He also had what would have been already a candidate. He almost had what would have been a candidate for dunk of the year. That was awesome. the the alley off the inbound pass yeah. right underneath the basket. I can't. I mean, I can't believe he didn't finish it because it would have been ridiculous if he finished it. But I like that he at least sent. Um, I don't remember who it was uh, that was defending him that fouled him but sent him tumbling to the floor. Yeah. And it was like, okay, all right, his knee's fine. He's yeah, back. he's and like weirdly enough, he's actually played pretty well, I think. Uh he didn't play a lot against Houston, but you know, he brings that spark and there were times during that game Trey Hannibal Clemson tried to press once and Hannibal um went up the court instead of staying back to receive the inbound cuz I don't think he was really anticipating he thought AJ Lawson would take it. And Frank had to call a timeout and Frank's doing his thing where he's sprinting to half court to meet Trey Hannibal to walk him <laughs> back to the bench. And before he could get there, Keyshawn was, I mean, literally in his face, six steps ahead of Frank yelling at him. So um, I think that stuff's kind of invaluable. Um, and and I think that it's it's what you get with Keyshawn there. There's that edge, that personality that Frank's looking for when he's on the court. And I think you're going to see a lot more minutes out of him than what he played against UMass, what he played against Houston. And I think he's going to be a 20 to 25, maybe 30-minute guy. As the season goes on, yeah, I mean, not to mention, obviously, we know the impact that he can make offensively with his playmaking. And by playmaking, I mean jumping from the three-point line and dunking. Yeah, and I just—it's amazing. I, I feel so lucky that the team that I have to watch every game for work also has maybe the best dunker in the SEC because yeah. you never know when he's going to break it out. But one of the things that I think was more, or I guess, easier to pick out in this Clemson game than the Houston game, or what was the first game that he came back for? Um, UMass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what was I think more readily apparent in this game than the UMass game or the Houston game was the impact that he makes defensively. And I also think it's because he was playing in more of those switchy lineups where the first two games he was coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. The opportunity to see him play alongside uh, Lawson and Manaya 
and Kotsar, and then I guess Bolden there sort of running the two guard or, or nominally at point guard or whatever it was, you got to see just how stifling some of these lineups can be. And again, part of that has to do with Clemson being a little bit limited, especially once guys got into foul trouble. Not a great offensive team anyway. They were pretty similar to Carolina, I think, statistically coming into the game. But you just see uh, it, it's one guy, but it's 20% of your defense, and it makes such a huge difference. Yeah, and I think that it helps A.J. Lawson out a little bit because Frank talked some uh, before the Clemson game about Lawson getting bailed out a lot last year because he had Chris Silva behind him. He had Mike Coatsar behind him. He had Hassani Gravett next to him. So you bring a guy like Bryant in who's so instinctive and so athletic and can help and then close out on his guy if the ball gets back over to him. There's there's benefit in that, that he can kind of sag off his guy and help A.J. Lawson if he's, you know, you know gotten beaten or, or something like that. So it's one of those where I think that just having him out there, his presence kind of calms people down, and his athleticism makes up for a lot of mistakes, kind of similar to Chris Silva, where his athleticism is just so off the charts that he can screw up a little bit, and you're hardly going to notice it to the untrained eye. Mike Kotsar continued what's been a nice senior campaign for him. I, I didn't expect him to be this like consistently good offensively, but it's now, what, six of his last seven games he scored double digits which yeah. isn't a huge figure but 11 Mike points Coates, that is a huge yeah figure. That, that is for him yeah. yeah and and it's 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 kind of a luxury for Carolina because they're I, I'm scared to say this because you don't necessarily want to count on Mike Coates are giving you 10 12 points a game but he's been good for it 11 points seven rebounds did add a couple of assists uh five of nine from the free throw line he was actually the only Gamecock that missed more than one free throw which was nice but had a lot of opportunities which he's going to get yeah. Shot three of seven from the field nice game from Coates not really a noticeable game which again I, I think speaks to sort of the luxury of being able to just count on him for 11. It didn't feel like he had a, a huge night. He didn't have a huge night, but had a better night than I felt like he did just watching the game. Yeah, I agree. And I think that he's quietly become the team's second most important player uh, outside of A.J. Lawson, who's obviously the the offensive threat every night. He defends the ball better than a lot of people I've seen play for South Carolina. Um, Sandarius was obviously great. Dwayne Notice was obviously great. Uh, Chris Silva was great, but you got to start throwing Mike Coatsar into that conversation as one of the better defenders that Frank Martin's had uh, at South Carolina, just because he can he can defend four four spots on the floor, um, and and that's shown. And he's kind of calmed down, gotten his mind right, and it's it's kind of showing. And he's more confident in his jump shot, and you've seen that. He's more confident um, just overall, and he's not asked to be do, he's not being asked to do a lot. He's been asked to rebound the ball. He's been asked to give them probably 8 to 12 points a game, which is very doable in this offense. Um, and if he does that, then guys like Justin Manaya is going to help him rebound the ball. A.J. Lawson is going to help him score. Jermaine Kuzner is going to help him score. He's got help around him, and that's big for him and just kind of taking some of the pressure off Mike, which has been a problem for him in the past. Yeah, I think to your point about having those guys around him, it's more, it, to me, it seems more like it is the ability to not ask Mike necessarily to score 8 to 12 points. Like They don't go in with that necessarily being part of their game plan, but just where he fits in the offense, it allows him to get that. I feel like when he has to push for points, when he feels like he needs to score, when they're running plays for him, it feels like that's when he starts to get tight, when he starts to lose confidence. But when he's just doing it within the flow of the offense, it seems a lot more natural than that. And that's, I think it's one of the benefits of Carolina playing with pace, or at least having the ability to play with play, pace and have you know playmakers kind of from all over the floor, is it feels like there's a little more room for him to just kind of 
fit in there, get what he's going to get, do what he's comfortable doing, not have to ask him too much. Well, yeah, and I think that a big big staple of Frank Martin's offense is paint touches, whether that's guards driving into the lane, whether that's the ball flowing through the paint back out to the guards, or whether that's getting in there and, and shooting from the paint from big. The problem was is that all of those touches went to Chris Silva last year for the most part, and so now he's seeing more touches. Uh, I could pull up his you know per- percent of possessions used. He's being more being used more this year um, to a degree. Uh, he's got a career high offensive rating right now. Now only through eleven games compared to some other years. Yeah. But do you have the the usage rate numbers? Yeah. Um, do you have it last year? Because it doesn't yeah. feel I, he's touching the ball more. Obviously, because he's starting and he, he led both teams in minutes played on Sunday, but it doesn't. It still doesn't feel like they're force feeding him. It's like he's getting more touches, but it's organic. Yeah, and I mean he's played seventy five percent of possible minutes right now, which is currently a career high. The most he's ever done sixty six his sophomore year. Um, career high offensive rating right now. Um, he's being used in terms of just percent of possessions being used when he's on the floor. Eighteen point three, which is a little bit less than a percent lower. His sophomore year, he was used a lot more, 19.1. Um, he's being used around the same mark as he was last year. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but he's taking a little bit more shots when he's on the floor. He's shooting it a lot better. He's rebounding the ball better. Um, blocking more shots, which was never part of his game before this. Um, drawing some fouls. Uh, he's just kind of playing a little bit better, and he's making the most. Uh, in terms of just usage, he's used a little bit more this year, but comparable to last year um but he's just shooting a lot better and i think you're seeing just more confidence and and the fact that he's making the most out of whatever touches he is getting that's great it's all you can ask of my yeah. codes are just put him into position to succeed maximize what he can do don't ask him to do too much yeah. uh the other guy i don't know why we haven't talked about him yet but aj lawson was yeah. the freaking guy on Sunday. Quiet, 20 quiet points 20, 20 points yeah a quiet 20 points which we talked about this last week that's sort of what aj does and uh, we were talking about mike Coates are having a nice you know, 8 to 12 pretty quietly. If AJ is going to put up quiet 20s for the rest of the year, I think that bodes well for Carolina. But 20 points, six rebounds, three assists, added three steals. He did have a lot of turnovers, I think five yeah. of them. Um, and both teams turned the ball over a lot. Uh, we talked about this walking in. We haven't mentioned this. For those of you that didn't see the final number, 43 turnovers, including 30 felt in like the more. first half. Felt like more. Yeah. Well, and the most disappointing part, too, because they, they came back from halftime and they pulled up the graphic on, on the TV broadcast and it was, you know, comparing fast break points. And it was like, nine to 10 or nine to seven or something. I was like, there are 30 turnovers yeah, and, and like <laughs> 20 fast break points. There's all these dead ball turnovers, travels and blocks. And it was, it was awful. Ugh. And then there was like charges, what I guess. felt like a hundred. I think both teams were in the bonus by the 15 minute mark in the second half. And both teams were in the double bonus by like the nine minute mark in the second half. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, it was yeah it, it was, was college basketball too. Yeah, to it, the it was extreme. it was rough to watch uh, at times. But Lawson Lawson was the bright spot. Yes, Lawson looked good. Shot well, eight of 15, four of seven from three. What do the advanced metrics say about Lawson's performance Sunday? <laughs> really good. Um, I mean, you're you're talking about a guy who's top five hundred, and I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're talking about three hundred fifty three teams, thirteen scholarship guys, you're talking about the top ten percent of all Division one college basketball players. He's in the top 500, so top 10%, an offensive rating, percent of possessions used, percent of, percent of shots when he's on the floor, effective field goal percentage, true shooting percentage, assist rate, steal percentage, fouls drawn per 40 minutes, foul free throw rate, and f- um, free throw percentage. Top 10% in all of those. So he's having a, a quietly an all-SEC type season, and he, I think he's only going to get better. I mean, you kind of saw that. He flowed a little bit better running, running point. Um, 
He's doing a lot of different things for them. Still needs to be better defensively. But he holding six rebounds and had three assists and shot 50% from two and hit a couple threes late. Um, he, he hit eight shots, half of them inside the paint and half from three. So um, spreading the ball around, I think he's playing really well, and I think that um, he's only going to get better. And I think a lot of people talk, well, if he has a bad season, will he come back? He's, he's not having a bad season. No. He's having a well, day. It's having funny because he was in Frank's doghouse a little bit in that Houston game for not defending. And, you know, there have been times where it felt like he wasn't taking over or maybe he should take over. And even still, he's having a fantastic season. It just goes to show sort of what the expectations are. And then when you see him have a game like he did on Sunday, it's like, well, you just you kind of need to see that every, every time. Uh, and the six rebounds is, is an interesting point, too, because you look down the box score. Carolina out-rebounded Clemson 41-32, to 32, so by nine. Uh, rebounding totals seven, six, four, six, three, six, four, and then two for Kuznard. I know y'all don't have names associated with that, but it doesn't matter. The point is, spread you don't, out. You, it's spread out. You don't have Chris Silva. Your starting center right now is Mike Kotsar. You know, maybe that'll be Levesque at some point, but we all know, you know, Kotsar is probably not like the best rebounder Carolina's right. ever had, or even the best rebounder on the team. And when we talk about the length and athleticism of this team, I feel like people end up mostly sort of talking about what that means defensively. And that's true, but one of the benefits is it helps you cover up a big who's not a great rebounder because you have above-average rebounding for like every other position at its respective position. Like you know, AJ Lawson, if he's if he's guarding a two, if he's guarding a one, he's going to be a great rebounder as a two or one. Same with Keyshawn Bryant; he's as good a rebounder as you're going to find in threes around the conference. Justin Minaya, you know, only played 19 minutes. He had six rebounds in 19 minutes. He's a great rebounder, even when he's matched up with fours. Right. Um, even, you know, sliding down a position. So that's a that's a real luxury for Carolina and something that could be an X factor. You, I think, correctly pointed out that South Carolina should have a margin against Clemson in terms of the offensive rebounding. They did win that battle. They collected uh, 11 offensive rebounds. And a lot of that, again, just like good positional rebounding. Yeah, and I think that that was an area that I thought was going to be a weakness early in the season. Uh, and it really hasn't been outside of maybe one or two games here or there. Uh, when you lose a guy like Chris Silva, and they weren't a great rebounding team last year, uh, even with him, you lose that, and then you start looking at that roster, and you're like, where the hell are these rebounds going to come <laughs> from? Um, Manaya's been great. Uh, his, his offensive stats haven't been where I think they I expected them to be. Especially after he started the season yeah. with, well, 19 and 11 or whatever? Yeah, I mean, it was he was great. And, but he's been a really good rebounder. He's been solid defensively. Uh, and like you said, AJ's been good. Keyshawn Bryant, I don't think, gets the credit he deserves for being the rebounder he is. Uh, he's and got then, such long arms. I mean, he can yeah, just like... Yeah, and he's so bouncy. Yeah. And, you know, he comes out and all of a sudden he can jump from the free throw line and get you a rebound mm-hmm. and not go over the back because yeah. he's just so savvy with it. Uh, but, yeah, that'll be a... Str- I, I think that's going to slowly morph into a... A strength of this team. I don't know defensively speaking, but their offensive rebound rates top fifty in the country, um, which is really good. Uh, and, and I think that that's going to help win them a lot of games because that's a big thing for Frank Martin. He loves crashing the offensive glass and getting second chance points or getting fouled or something like that. Which if you make your free throws, that's great. Um, but yeah, I, I really like what this team's morphed into rebound wise. I want to save the best for last. So do you? Is it time? Well. Do you want to say anything first about Wilden Zavek, Nathan Nelson, Alonzo Frank, TJ Moss, or Jermaine Kuznard's performances on Sunday? No, I, 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 let's, no. I say let's you know light let's, this candle. Let's, let's do it. It's Trey Hannibal time. It's Trey Hannibal I time. I asked you a very simple question last week. Where is Trey Hannibal? Got their answer on Sunday. Only played 16 minutes. It felt like he was out there for longer because he had a, a big impact when he was on the court 
uh, and did leave midway through the second half with cramps. Um, just four points, two of five shooting, but four rebounds, two assists, added a steal, and just brought so much energy to the team. And, and that was, I think, what you and I both saw in him right out of the gates so when he played his first game for Carolina. This guy, he looks the part. He's energetic. He moves around defensively. He's not always in the right spot or doing the right thing, but you really like his activity level. And he really he really had a significant impact on the game in just 60 minutes on Sunday. Yeah, and I think I was talking to Andrew Ramsbacker of the state, who does a really good job covering them. And we were talking Monday after after the game, and I said, A.J. Lawson had a really quiet 20 points. And he goes, well, Trey Hannibal had a really loud four. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah that's, that sounds right. So credit Andrew for that. But, yeah, he kind of gave – me what I thought he could give this team every game he comes in he is an absolute pit bull defensively gives you four points makes a few boneheaded decisions here or there but he, he, he just brings something I don't think they have with any other guard on that team even even with AJ Lawson or something he just brings a physicality that you don't have otherwise um, does that mean he's going to be an all SEC all freshman team I don't know right now but he's a guy that um, just plays well and I think that he's He's someone that's only going to keep getting better. Uh, made made a few mistakes, but only turned the ball over once. And when you put him out there, he's so good at getting loose balls. He's so good at – he picks his man up. He's the only person I've ever seen in SC Pro-Am history to pick up his man right at the inbounds. It's so he, – he just loves playing defense, and that's something that Frank Martin loves. And I think during that self-scout he had of the Houston game – Frank kind of realized, I need to get this guy in the game more because he might not shoot it well. He might make some decisions that will send me, you know, to early retirement and make more gray hairs. But he brings me something that, and, and no disrespect to TJ Moss or anybody, but that no one else on the bench can give me right He's now. just more dynamic than Moss. Yeah. So there's no other way to, and again, that's not, that has nothing to do with, well, it has less to do with Moss than it does. Yeah, I think that's uh, more of Trey Hannibal's skill yeah, set. Less than which is great. Now, the other thing that I will say, because, of course, I'm excited about it, and now I'm expecting him to play 16 to 20 minutes a game. I imagine that it is very realistic that he'll play four minutes against Virginia, do something stupid, get yanked, sit on the bench for the rest of the time, and then come out against Stetson and have another good game. I imagine it'll end up being sort of up and down for him. Yeah. But it's nice when you see this is the upside, and you're imagining that by the end of the year, if he can churn out these performances with a little more consistency and really be an anchor along with Kusnard for those bench units for Carolina, that is very, a very, very promising future for this team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I mentioned it the other day when we recorded with Sundarius Thornwell and, and Dwayne Notice and those guards that Frank Martin loved by the end of their career had to play as freshmen out of necessity just because that roster was depleted and, and they were in such tur- you know turnover at that point. But they had to play. And Trey Hannibal, they they have the luxury right now to where if he's not playing well, you have a Jermaine Kusnard, you have an AJ Lawson, you have TJ Moss if you need him um, to come in there and, and really spell him. So, uh, and you can be flexible too. You can play a big lineup. You can do something where to where if, if he's not playing well, you don't have to play him. So, um, he's playing well right now. Uh, I think he's stringing together some good practices. Uh, this break should be good for him to kind of get his feet under him. A little bit um, because it's all basketball until, you know, school starts back up, you know, early to mid-January. So uh, I'm going to be looking for a big, big stretch uh, just in terms of growth from from Trey Hannibal. Does that mean averaging 10 points and six rebounds a game? I don't know, but um, (laughs) 
he should be able to grow a lot in these next two, three weeks for conference play. Yeah, but I enjoyed it. Uh, anybody you think we should reverse jinx before this Virginia game? Or maybe we can save that for later in the week. Yeah, we'll do that later in yeah, the week. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out, in. and then we'll, we'll delegate our weekly reverse jinx. Yeah. I have a feeling it may be for uh, Levesque, but I'm not sure. I won't spoil that yet. Anything else you wanted to touch on from the Clemson game before we get out of here? No, just think it's a good win. Um, now, now it's on to bigger and badder and tougher. And, and yeah. Much Whew. tougher. Who is the only way to describe what's next for Yowza, But an yeah. opportunity to get better. We will be back a little bit later in the week to discuss that game uh, a little more in depth. Uh, for Colin, I'm Pearson. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Also, follow Colin on Twitter, at Colin Taylor with a Y. Yes. And read him on GamecockCentral.com. If you aren't a subscriber, uh, there are a bunch of great deals going on right now. You can use the code Nike to get 25% off, and you get a $75 coupon to spend in the Nike store. And I just found out this morning you can also spend that in the Converse store. Ooh. I didn't know that. Nike on Converse, or maybe they have some kind of deal or something like that. Um, or if you just want to try it out, the exclusive podcast code GCPOD will get you 30 days of Gamecock Central subscriber access for free. Um, and also with that, you can comment on the thread when we post this in the Insiders Forum a little bit later this evening if you have a great suggestion for the name of this podcast. Yes, please suggest because I'm not creative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm bad at a lot of things, but I'm really bad at titles. So yeah. uh, we need y'all's help. I appreciate the suggestions that have already been made. And uh, we may end up picking one of those. I just I, I want to get like as many suggestions as we can and then whittle it down from there. So keep them coming. Thank you all so much for listening. Colin, I'll be back a little bit later in the week to talk about South Carolina and Virginia. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.